Blog Talk Radio. Wait, 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 wait. We got to redo the whole thing. It is a Friday night, and we feel all right. Because the party's here. I'll rest your radio network. So I turned to the DJ, turned him, told him to turn the party up. All right, little Montel for you, but, you know, the real music. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. shortly or whenever but tonight we got a lot on the agenda tonight to discuss we got hell in a cell we have smackdown live nxt um comparison contrast i'm not going to give away all the secrets i'm not going to give away all the reveals just later tonight so what i can tell you is Tonight, when Pizza Simpson joins us, we will be going to be discussing from different vantage points the pay-per-view that happened last Sunday. Also, Money in the Bank qualifying ladder matches are occurring on SmackDown Live and WWE Raw. So when I will be discussing both sides with Pizza Simpson, of course. So, I, I guess say you know it's been a wild ride watching professional wrestling last few days, and not just WWE. I mean, unfortunately, I have on DVR AEW stuff, 
again, Ding, you here. Question actually for the first time in a while on WrestleRadio Network forward slash Facebook.com to answer your question. If you want to be on my show, I believe you can call in at 213-943-3422, and it is toll-free. So I will be going over SmackDown Live, awaiting Pizza Simpson arrival. And first off, it starts off with Bianca Belair saying how she overcome, overcame all the odds against Bailey. <clears throat> and she referred to Bailey as a bully. I don't see her as a bully. I just see her as kind of someone that uh, pretends to be bad. And, you know, that's her. That's her job, right? And so, anyways, Bianca Belair was saying, "I was, uh, you know, laughing in the face of adversity." Blah blah blah. Bailey made my life miserable. I think that the writing is cheesy, but it gets its point across. Uh, and then Seth Rollins comes out in the middle of Bianca's pro, um, promo and asks for a high five. They didn't go over quite well. You know, we started off the night with a mixed tag match with uh, Bianca Belair and Cesaro, her tag team partner, versus Seth Rollins and Bailey. And uh, I got to say, dude, I like the whole back and forth and very little promo and a lot of wrestling. That was probably one of my favorite matches of the night, even though that should have been the main event. I believe they're trying to center around Roman or Roman Reigns, but I'll get to that later on. So Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, because, well, Jey Uso left, now Jimmy's left. So you have the head of the table trying to find a new right-hand man. Because Jimmy walked out, or Jay walked out. My bad. I don't know. So, let's see here. Big E versus Apollo Crews for her money in the bank qualifying match. Apollo Crews, of course, always has Aziz at ringside. So, the challenge is to get around Aziz, and they did. Well, I, all I can say is. Um, if it weren't for Aziz getting caught in the middle of a match, you know, you know, yada, yada, blah, blah, he gets kicked out, and then Apollo Crews gets distracted, big E, big ending, and as Michael Cole so poignantly put, out of nowhere! It's like, everything's out of nowhere. Like, you see that thunder and lightning? Out of nowhere! The lightning just burned the, or like, struck the fuck out of somebody. Anyways, anyways, moving forward. So, Sami Zayn was interviewed about his victory over Kevin Owens and Hell in a Cell, and then he was told that he had a Money in the Bank qualifying ladder match and wasn't too thrilled about it. The last man standing match. The last man standing match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, as we found out from the well, team, I guess. He's going to say, or Adam Pierce, he literally has told Sami Zayn, last man standing. Well, no, there's a conspiracy to beat Sami Zayn. Okay. The crowning of Shinsuke Nakamura. It, 
his coronation made Baron Corbin despondent, as Michael Cole put it. And if I'm moving forward, so Paul Heyman is seen in the back discussing things with Jimmy Uso. If you can win a match, then you will become the right-hand man. Then just swap one Uso out for the other. I mean, that's kind of cheesy. It works, I guess. I don't know. Edge returns. Edge returned to face Roman. Nice. We actually have ourselves a card then for Money in the Bank. And let me explain this. I really don't care so long as I've told the story, did it? And SmackDown Live does way better than Raw. Leap years, light years ahead of Raw. The only thing that Raw had accustomed my attention would be the fact that Xavier Woods was locked in there with MVP and Bobby Lashley and got shit kicked out of him, so now motivated Kofi to come back. And is Kofi Mania going to be a thing? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But. Anyways, so SmackDown, or I want to say, I keep want to say Friday Night SmackDown, but here's what I'm going to point out to you about tonight's SmackDown, edition of Friday Night SmackDown. They didn't spend too much time on promo. I believe that Bianca Belair, comparatively speaking to... Yeah, WWE Raw, instead of like 20-minute promos, what it feels like, even though it might just be an 8- to 10-minute promo, it doesn't matter. The promos are not as lengthy. There are matches that are like Dolph Ziggler versus Jimmy Uso, although I do think Dolph Ziggler could have beaten Jimmy pretty fairly easily, but that's just me. They don't want to go with Captain Obvious. They want to inspire others and make sure you feel entertained and inspired at the same time. But a match like uh, that was the underdog versus, um, I'll put this, the underdog being Jimmy Uso versus the obvious favorite, Dolph Ziggler. I would say, if you ask me or anyone that was watching that, Dolph Ziggler should have stomped a mud hole. And Jimmy Uso's ass, but because there's a story involved, now he has to win literally like every match because his career seems like it's not on the line, but it seems like it's on the line because if he doesn't, then, well, his cousin will find someone else that's not family-related to help do his bidding, you know, as a champion on SmackDown Live. On SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown. So... There's going to be qualifying matches for Money in the Bank, is there? Carmella and Liv. So we run out of options. Okay, cool, because Kyrie Sane's no longer available. Uh, Sonya Deville is not wrestling anymore. So I, I just want to point in the direction of it's not bad, and it's way better. Like, it's way better than Raw. I'll get to that later, but, you know, if I'm going to assess something else, I'm going to briefly touch on Hell in a Cell. If that is a pay-per-view that includes a steel cage structure and neither Lashley nor McIntyre or anyone for that matter used color, 
It's supposed to be the most demonic structure in the entire universe of professional wrestling. Outside of, you know, it's not even close to deathmatch wrestling. Those guys do a shit ton more than what you would see in a hardcore match back in the day in WWE. All right? So, Hell in a Cell. I will wait for Pizza Simpson to basically converse with me on that, but I'm going to touch on it briefly. There are points of that, you know, whole entire pay-per-view that made me think, okay, maybe... They're trying to save things for SummerSlam or Money in the Bank. And if that's the case, more power to you guys for saving and reserving some extra oomph for either Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. My one piece of advice is don't make a curtain jerk match main event that's all I'm going to say also reverting back to Smackdown Live tonight everything was short sweet and to the point it made sense and it didn't drag on doesn't need triple threat matches to make their, their matches great what am I doing oh yeah Shinsuke Nakamura kind of gave a great idea in my head when he was coronated as king. Shouldn't there be a king of the ring tournament and the winner gets whatever prize? I'm being serious. They get whatever prize outside of a crown because king actually... It should be like a number one spot for the championship or number one contender spot for the WWE championship. Also, if they had Queen of the Ring, wouldn't that be interesting? They got enough women in the division to fucking wrestle each other. So again, one thing where there was a coordination the idea popped up in my head right away. pay-per-view that's been lost so long as an archive was stowed away on the WWE Network or now Peacock. Curious. I'm just very curious. Since SmackDown Live kind of teased it. I'm putting away all the, you know, I'm putting away all the thought process that comes along with tonight's broadcast because it's kind of a groggy feel, but you know what? I can survive because Pizza Simpson will be joining me shortly. Just slice of pizza and some hell in a cell talk. And I uh I must tell you I don't know, dude, but I think SmackDown Live does a better job of presenting entertainment value 
But, you know, if I'm reading the card, you know, Liv Morgan versus Carmel, huh? Not too impressed, but you know what? It, it just it tells you these women are fighting for a spot. No, they're not fighting for a spot. I'm just, you know, having to win the Money in the Bank ladder matches. You know, I didn't, I fell asleep. Sorry. Well, there's kind of lulling me to sleep, really, for real. Okay. We're going to do something new here. <laughs> I'm going to try this out, if you will. Okay. The worst match of the night goes to Jimmy Uso and Dolph Ziggler. I don't really honestly think that the Usos are going to stay. But the worst match of the night, yeah, Dolph Ziggler and Jimmy Uso. I mean, these two have fought each other before, obviously. Again. Don't waste all your gray matches. Might as well showcase something that hasn't been done before and merits a pizza delivery right to my doorstep for me trying to endure the match between Zoll Ziggler and Jimmy Uso because one had to win and one did win. So now he's the right hand man of Roman. I don't care. Yeah, and I think Roman Reigns is doing his job as a heel. I'm pretty sure that it's not easy transitioning late. And we'll get to that. We will get to that later. FYI, if you have any questions, it's Wrestle underscore radio. On Instagram, on Twitter, it is at underscore Brian Rails. And Yahoo. And Twitter. And Twitter. Oh, and let's not forget regular Facebook platform www.wrestlingradionetwork.com. You should be able to click the link and you'll be able to find it. So. I'm not so sure, but maybe I can answer that as best I can. Tonight's show was not, you know, one bad. It was actually one that I could pay attention to, follow along, because I normally don't say this. Not often about a WWE show. It is difficult. It is definitely difficult to watch WWE Raw. But SmackDown Live, for some reason, since they have two hours and they have a shorter program format to follow in WWE Raw, then I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is you know me talking around in circles because. 
I have nothing bad to say about SmackDown Live other than the Carmelo Liv Morgan thing where Sonya Deville had to break them up and it feels awkward seeing her in a like a a business classy suit and being like, Hi, you know, I am now an enforcer. <laughs> I'm a part of creative, look at me. No, I have really nothing bad to say about the show simply because it follows a good format. It doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't make you go, Jesus Christ, what the fuck just happened? Very No, it just makes you makes me at least. So okay, well even though SmackDown Live's ratings. Let me just look at the buy rates. SmackDown Live. Just look at the ratings overall. According to Spoiler TV, WWE SmackDown on June 4, 2022, 1.792 million viewers, which is up from the 1.755 million viewers the show draw week prior. This marks the first time ever Friday Night SmackDown on Fox in Houston. Okay. They also garnered .40 in the coveted 18 to 49 demographic. So they have been going up, according to this report. It's not, you know. If you have any questions, it's wrestle underscore radio. Mm-hmm. Wrestle underscore radio. On the Instagram. On Twitter. Why am I repeating the handles? But to answer your question, dude, SmackDown Live or Friday Night SmackDown is a good slot. It's two hours long. It's on basic TV and not cable. And three, true, they don't have Alexa Bliss performing um, voodoo on Nia Jax or Reginald or anyone that's associated or affiliated with Shayna Baszler. Also, the women's division seems to be a lot smaller than I remember it. I don't see very many women participating in matches now. I just see the same four, same six, really. Actually, same four. It was Bailey, Bianca, Liv Morgan, and Carmella. So that's four. There's no fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth. And that's kind of difficult to follow the women's division. But, you know, in all honesty... Yes, I believe there's always room for improvement. So I, uh, I gotta say, improvement meaning like add some names to your division, maybe dig some from dig someone up from NXT for an interim spot every once in a great while. Also, things that need improvement upon, I listed it down. There's very little, but one. If we're going to do roll up victories with very little or no payoff, like what was the point of Bailey pinning Bianca Belair? Oh, maybe that might get the attention of Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville. That hey, I pinned the SmackDown Women's Champion, therefore you owe me a match. Dude, I think.
Well, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> it's not bad. It's not good. Is it indifferent? I'm pretty sure that SmackDown Live is the new ECW. And Raw, the only thing it has going for it, I will discuss on Off Thrills and Censor before I get totally off track and repeat and repeat repeat myself in circles. My apologies, folks. It tends to happen when... Well, you just review a card. Oh, yeah. You want me to touch on Hell in a Cell? My one main concern is that you have a pay-per-view that's trying to conserve the superstars. They've been through hell before. Some of them. Some of these guys came from the Indies doing straight-up deathmatch wrestling. Some of these guys came from the Indies, period. So I, I'm just curious why there was no color, not one ounce of blood, not one ounce, but maybe not no sign of blood. It's just like, um, guys, there has to be a payoff. There has to be a comeuppance. There has to be karmic justice because if there is no blood, stars, and I want to sell them. What are we doing? Again, I digress. I talk in circles. But it's a Friday, and I'm trying not to totally relax, which is kind of awkward. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show my most loyal co-host. And trust me, I've had awesome co-hosts. Again, this is the current co-host of 2021. Uh, My partner in crime, please welcome to the show, Pizza Simpson. Yo, what is up, my guy? Oh, you know what, dude? I just got done watching uh, SmackDown Live, let's see here now, 20 minutes ago. And I'm fairly impressed, and I... Yeah, and I um, I read through the results while waiting. Um, I didn't. I mean, I basically talked in circles, but I did, you know, manage to focus my attention on questions that were being asked under the uh, on the Instagram about what I thought of the overall show, and I I liked it. <clears throat> there were some tidbits that need improving, but um, Overall, dude, I think SmackDown Live killed it tonight. I think they did really well with the whole Roman Reigns needs a right-hand man with Jimmy Uso because Jay walked out. Um, wow, you know, there was a surprise return tonight, so they're going, I don't know if they're going back to the keep you guessing and tune in type thing, but I do like the fact that Edge returned tonight. Very cool. And uh, well, it's nice that, like, you know, dude, I also like the fact that they had Money in the Bank qualifying matches, uh, Carmella and Liv Morgan, uh, Big E and um, Apollo Crews. So I had completely forgotten about Money in the Bank. I, I cannot believe I forgot about that. 
Um, Money in the Bank is going to be in Texas this year, and it is going to be it's going to have fans um, in attendance, so that's going to be a good sign, and that's going to be a lot of excitement in the crowd. I I completely agree because folks, if you're not familiar with Money in the Bank, it is the pay per view that is um, beneficial for whoever gets a hold of their brief respective briefcase from their brand. They can cash it in at any time, any place, any arena, anywhere. Um, basically how it works is some superstars start out the match. They have to climb a ladder to get the briefcase. And inside that briefcase is a contract for any championship of the superstars choosing, men or male or female. So I'm excited. I'm excited because Money in the Bank is going to be in Texas. But, uh, again, I was just tell you right now, I just wonder how how their this money in the bank's gonna turn out, seeing as how Roman's still champion, uh let's see who else. Oh, the fact that Bobby Lashley is still champion? Hmm, interesting. Um Yeah, so I I went through money in the uh, not money in the bank. I went through SmackDown Live tonight and said, Okay, got a decent story and Sami Zayn's reactions to the to his interviews, I love to death, dude. I love his interaction with the interviewer. Like, are you trying to ruin my day? Are you trying to pull me down? You just one of the oppressors. Then he goes to Adam Pearce and bitches about the fact that he's facing Kevin Owens in a last man standing match and a qualifying match for Money in the Bank. Yeah, this is going to be fairly interesting. And not only is it going to happen next week, but... Uh, Wow, this is kind of a super wrestling fan's dream to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn go at it one more time, or is it going to be a million times? We don't know. I think that uh, I really appreciate Sami Sami Zayn's character development after him being El Generico for so long and really only having a few words in Spanish that he would use and mostly just getting by off charisma. It's great to see how well he can just get under people's skins and just be a great heel and be consistently one of the best matches on the show. I think it's great to add him into the fold finally, just like they're they're adding Cesaro and Rollins, you know, back and forth. Uh, match is kind of funny because in the next tag match, Seth Rollins did bump Bianca Belair when she was trying to out the KOD. And um, I like I said, the contrast, or not contrast, the the fantasy warfare that fans have been wanting to see are finally happening. And like you said. Sami Zayn's, to get back on the subject, Sami Zayn's uh, character development, you know, like he said, I completely agree. When he was El Generico in Ring of Honor, it was kind of difficult for him to get anything at all out there. You know, got by on charisma, correct. Kind of the same thing with NXT, just a little bit. They didn't really add anything to his character at all, other than the fact that he was rivaled yeah. by no one. I agree with that. I feel like him in him in NXT as a face was just basically your clean cut meat meat and potatoes kind of face, which isn't not necessarily a bad thing, but like given you know that that can only go so far. 
And it kind of did carry over when he went when he got called up to main roster. It's kind of like they I don't know if they pitched the idea. Okay, you know, Kevin and Sammy worked really well together. They didn't do that until SmackDown when they were teaming up against Shane and whomever Shane's partner was at the time. But uh, Daniel Bryan character development, Kevin. Daniel Bryan, sorry. Yes. And I, I feel like I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I, uh, so moving forward past the Sami Zayn moment, the whole thing with Paul Heyman getting involved tonight saying, uh, to Jay, or not Jay, Jimmy. Sorry, I mix those two up. They do look alike, even though they're not, even though they're really, you know, okay. They're very similar. So Jimmy Uso was told, if you prove yourself tonight, you can become Roman's right-hand man. Well, it didn't come in a better timing, you know, when Edge returned tonight. But the thing is, he got incapacitated, and I bet you next week there's going to be a, where were you? You know, you told me you was going to be my protector, blah, blah, blah. Roman didn't have any clue that Edge was coming out tonight. So... Before that, Jimmy Uso beat Dolph Ziggler because I felt like, dude, this is my feel. I like this whole setup for this gimmick. They're literally putting the Uso's careers on the line just so they can benefit Roman Reigns. I like that's fucking genius. That's really, that's really, really adding to that character and really putting it over as like he's such a big deal. Acknowledge him. The fact that Heyman made uh, Jimmy stand out there the whole, like almost the whole night. He's like, we're 45 minutes in the show. How am I going to main event? And Paul Heyman says, oh, we'll find somebody for you. They didn't even say who it was. It was that fucking brilliant. Then they pulled up uh, Dolph Ziggler's image on the thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Hopefully Ziggler, you know, I, I wasn't saying hopefully he doesn't go over, but I'm, I'm thinking in my head, okay, so now we have Jimmy Uso, who just is like the underdog versus the fave, because Dolph Ziggler can put on a match if he really wanted to. Um, an example of that would be him and Miz. Oh, my God, that was such a good match, dude. I think it was on SmackDown. Yeah, it was on SmackDown. Such a good match, but uh, the match between him and Uso was kind of lackluster. It wasn't terrible. It would give it like a, a B or a C. Mm-hmm. But um, to end the night, like uh, to end the night for SmackDown Live, uh, what you saw was you know Jimmy Uso like, winning his match, and then Paul Heyman was explaining okay, you know, this is what happens when you have a head of the table and you have a right-hand man. And then right when he was explaining something, how, like, the entire roster has been depleted and Roman Reigns has no one else left to uh, wrestle for this championship, then Edge comes out. You want to talk about dramatic entrances, dude. Can you even point to the sky for his fire? We just ran in the ring after Reigns. And then... uh, my son, you know, ran interference with, uh, actually, not my son, uh, so Jimmy Uso tried to interfere, it was also not, because Roman and Edge, one-on-one, not a good thing, Edge basically turned right around and speared the fuck out of Roman, 
after the fact that he threw Roman into the steel steps. So on my notes, I, I you know literally wrote down, "Wow, SmackDown Live uh, has got my attention now. The Edge is back." Because I, I have a freaking freaking feeling that this is going to be a well, it's probably going to be a right away feud. But I don't think I don't know if Edge is going to win. I don't know, but. I was, I was impressed, to be honest with you, with the whole entire uh, blue brand side of things. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I think after after reading that Vince McMahon wants to keep Roman Reigns strong, I could definitely see him going into Money in the Bank and beating beating uh, Edge. With the rumors having rumors being that John Cena is going to come back, I can definitely see Edge losing to Roman to just make him look even more stronger and just get him ready for that big epic match against uh, John Cena that's supposedly about to happen. Um, I definitely want to see Roman versus Cena at SummerSlam because uh, that's that big WrestleMania quality match that we've been needing. I completely agree, and for those of you who are belly aching about Cena, let me just explain this to you. If you don't have an element that has been missing for a while now, I used to hate, I not hate, but I used to detest John Cena because it seemed like they were force-feeding him down our throats. So whether you like him or, you know, hate him is, you know, on you, but... There needs to be. We've seen Roman and Cena before. We get it. But what my partner in crime is trying to tell you is, like, you need a different style match because we we know what would happen if Edge was to go over. We need Roman's character to be strong because there's no fucking clear cut heel ever in SmackDown Live. It's nice to have a villain. It's it's good to have some form of controversy before a big pay per view. Yeah, I think um, I, I do. I do feel that we were kind of shortchanged out of the Edge Roman Reigns singles match. Although I am a Dean Amber, I mean I'm sorry, a Daniel Bryan fan. I much would have rather had seen Edge and Roman. I don't really like three way matches, so a singles match versus you know Edge versus Roman is gonna, definitely going to be really good and really deliver. And I feel like. If it happens at Money in the Bank, the Houston crowd is just going to eat that up. I think the Toyota Center is, should be. This is, you're going to laugh at me, Pizza, for this, but like, okay. I've been through the, the realm of going to Texas uh, NXT versus uh, SmackDown Live or Raw. That those people are going to fill fill the fucking stands. For SmackDown, or not SmackDown, but Money in the Bank. Why? I went to an entire weekend for Royal Rumble. And this does have something to do with a draw, folks. Just bear with me. They are not fond of NXT down south. They more so care about main roster shit for some weird reason. Okay? And they probably being, haven't been to an event for an entire year. This is that play. The Toyota Center is going to be bumping. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be wild, and especially 
for Money in the Bank because everybody loves a ladder match. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter which which uh, spectrum of wrestling you're talking about. It could be GCW, it could be CZW, it could be WWE, AG, APJ. Doesn't matter. You put a ladder in the ring, you have my attention. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the latter. I think it's going to be fun, and I'm going to gasp a hundred million times, and uh, I'm going to enjoy myself. And I'm glad. I'm glad that show is going to be in front of uh, fans. It's great to see them like slowly getting back back to it. Um, SummerSlam is on a Saturday this year. That's weird. It's mainly, you know, the NXT how they used to have takeovers on Saturday, and the main pay-per-views would be on Sunday. I mean, they're still following that format, but wow. I mean, it's going to be... Okay, so SummerSlam is going to emanate from Allegiant Stadium, and and, that's huge because that's... um, I'll tell you one thing, folks. Raider Nation loves wrestling, so... And don't care. It's in Vegas. Why? That'd be... You get to tour... You get to go have fun and watch a wrestling match. So who knows what's going to happen at SummerSlam at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, brother. Yes, sir. SummerSlam is uh, SummerSlam's back. It's supposed to be. They want a they want a WrestleMania like atmosphere, and I'm all for it. I feel like they should treat SummerSlam as such anyway, because if you look at the if you look at the calendar year, you basically it's basically WrestleMania. Survivor Series, Royal Rumble—it's still the big four that that meet that make the most sense and get the most the most energy. That's what I think. I think so too because SummerSlam, like in years past, it's kind of been a dud. It's not been, it's not been like the SummerSlams of past where you're like, wow, I want to. Tune in to Raw or SmackDown to see what's going to happen next, and they're going to—I I don't know if they're going to do the package where I think they should, but like in years past when they did uh, WrestleMania and then have the night after with Smack or Raw and SmackDown Live being in the same like vicinity, the same city. So <clears throat> they might, yeah, they probably won't, but they. 25-city tour, like you said, big atmosphere type feel because you have the main four. you got Royal Rumble. you got SummerSlam, Survivor Series, oh, and um, WrestleMania, yeah. WrestleMania, which, by the way, dude, I, I'm excited for that because, you know, it's going to be in Texas and hopefully – Hopefully they make amends with with fans and they make a way not amends. Hopefully they make a good impression on fans starting off, you know, at Money in the Bank in front of a live audience. I, that's going to be huge to hear actual an actual crowd instead of just I can't. I, I've said this before on previous shows, canned heat and and fake you know false claps and recorded chants that have been recorded, you know, from audio from the past, which is kind of funny. Yeah. 
Um, I'm ready. I'm just ready for them to get away from the the jarring experience that is the Thunderdome because it can be kind of hurtful on the eyes. <laughs> I don't think I I don't think that the WWE does the empty arenas that well, and I think AEW actually does um, empty arenas a little bit better with their with their paid attendance being a with their people in the crowd being a little bit more lively. So. I'm really ready for WWE to get back on the road and shake this dust off. I think that'll I think that'll be good for them. It's also gonna help merch sales. I mean merch sales aren't as bad as people have made it out to be. I mean look, you have a bunch of fans sitting around doing nothing and of course it's gonna pop open WWE show, oh I don't have this, I don't have this, you know, pop or Funko Pop or I don't have this T shirt or I don't have this title belt. It's been a while since I've been to a show. You sometimes get complacent as fans, just not if you're not into the content but you still want to get shit off the shop. I mean, I'm not saying everybody feels like this, but let's see here, dude. Some cold bell. What else did I get? Oh yeah. Friend, a friend of mine, I uh, ended up getting the title belt for her. They just like it's, to make things to bring it home. Yes, it's good to shake off the dust. It's good to get things going again because if not, I think all the fans are going to beat their head on the doors and say, "Come on, when are we going to be able to go to a show again?" Yes, sir. So. What's next? Oh, well, let's see what we got next, my friend. Oh, okay. Well, you know what, folks? It's time to introduce you to a brand new segment. And this time I, I did fix the music issue, okay? <coughs> I promise you. I I apologize to Pizza last because I'm sorry, folks. I fuck up a lot. <laughs> I will be the first to admit. But anyways, let's just enjoy this Friday night with a little bit of a slice of pizza, shall we? It's a brand new segment right here on Off the Rails Uncensored Friday. So, monkeys in the truck, can you please hit his music for me, please? Please, pretty please, with a slice of pizza. Take it away. 
Yes, indeed, we are we are live with a slice of pizza. First thing I'm going to get right into, GCW had a big weekend last weekend when they made their debut in all of all places, Laramie, Wyoming, which saw uh, Nick Gage defend sex, successfully defend the title, the GCW title, against the one and only Mance Warner, which saw a flaming table spot at one point, and this show got so wild that the Laramie police got called, and <laughs> they thought a real fight was going on. That's crazy to me. Um, it's great to see them. It's great to see it's great to see GCW expanding from New Jersey all the way to Wyoming and running a successful show. And that's with the proceeds from that match, they actually made a large charitable donation to the Matthew Shepard Foundation, who lost his life in the late 90s due to a, um, a hate crime. Um, fuck that. We support – we support – the LGBT community, so that's fucking awesome, and fuck hate, man. Everyone loves everyone. Next, I'm going to go into um, finally, the hometown promotion, Journey Pro, has announced they will be returning on July 30th in Kansas City, Missouri, for 78 weeks later, and the good news out of that is, before even matches were announced, they sold out, so congratulations, Journey Pro Wrestling. A couple matches were announced later that day. We have Christian Christian Rose returning, taking on Hoodie, and a couple of new faces coming to Journey Pro making their debut. A couple of uh, young young talents that's really grinding in the Midwest. In the Midwest, JJ Garrett, who I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot in IWA Mid South, and one of my favorite up and comers, Cole Radrick, who is just about everywhere. So uh, indie indie wrestling is popping, and since this, since these uh, COVID restrictions are are uh, starting to be loosened, we are starting to see some uh, shows starting to open back up, and that's great to see that. These companies have survived the pandemic and are coming back. Um, what else is going on? ICW has a gigantic weekend going on, and and it's it's, be, it's starting off with uh, ICW Pit Fighters Seven. Basically, what that is is uh, death matches and it's death matches in a UFC octagon. I love the concept. It's a little weird. It's a little weird, but uh, yeah, let's get to it. Dan Moff, a long time, long time independent uh, champion. Oh my gosh, I'm fucking up again. Dan Moff, long time indie legend, taking on Slack. This was a wild brawl from right, from right, from. Here I go again. This was a wild brawl that that saw action leak out of the octagon, and we saw an armbar on the floor, and then we see a whole bunch of shots from Dan Moff, but Schlack reverses the reverses the chair shots with a dick claw. Schlack wins with a bag with a plastic bag over over Schlack's head. I'm sorry. Schlack wins with a plastic bag over Dan Moff's head while he was locked in the camel clutch. 
that's pretty fucking gnarly, if you ask me. Nolan Ed- in the next match, we got Nolan El- Edwards taking on Al- Alex Ocean. This was basically really just stiff. They didn't really do too much too much to each other. We saw uh, double stomp from the top of the cage through two doors. Nolan Edwards, Nolan Edwards with the big win here. Nolan is making a lot of noise in a short period of time. I really, really think this is someone we should keep our eyes on. And what I thought was going to be the main event, we but we got it right away. We got we got to see. We got to see Phil Baroni, the former UFC fighter, taking on another MMA fighter in Justin Kyle. This was just a slugfest, Brian. These guys just beat the fuck out of each other. No, no fuckery. No, no, no elements of death and blood and pl- blood and plunder. We just saw two guys just punch each other in the fucking face until it was over. Nasty. Justin Kyle picks up the win with strikes. In the next match, two fucking turds that I don't really give a shit about. Dale Patrick takes on Casanova Valentine. I don't really like Dale Patrick. So I don't think he's that great in the ring. And I find Casanova Valentine to be not as good. And he's always dying. Basically, basically what I mean, he's getting his fucking ass kicked and bleeding. This was a bloody, disgusting match with Casanova bleeding right away. Dale Patrick's won. A, Dale, Dale Patrick's left a gigantic puddle on the mat. I ended up like missing. I ended up missing the finish because I was eating my Red Lobster and looked away for a second. <laughs> In the first ever girl pit fight, we have Kimberly from Chikara and and TNA and NXT taking on Mexican sensation of Sadika. This was stiff right away. Right away. They're really they've really just got to just beating the shit out of each other. And there was a lot of chair shots to the head. The finish saw Sadika throw a chair at at the referee while Kimber while Kimberly was bleeding. The ref the ref ran from Sadika after he was attacked and uh, this was considered. This was rendered a no contest. Good, uh, good show so far. Not a lot of deathmatch stuff. Mostly just stiff and just a big fucking fight. In, in the next match, we got Satu Jin taking on Jeff Cannonball, and these were just two big fucking hawkers. Two big guys, probably checking in about 300 pounds, who just beat each other. Who just beat each other up? And they got to cutting each other open with a giant butcher knife. The the butcher knife found its way into each other's mouths, which I thought was just disgusting. The the finish saw Satu Jin pick up pick up the win on Jeff Cannibal when he hit the rock bottom through two chairs. Uh, one of my in the next match, one of my favorites, Reed Bentley versus Akira. This got wild right away, and as you know, as I've been staying, stating throughout this, this was stiff, and this just had more chair shots to the head. After, after not seeing chair shots to the head for such a long time, it was really, really taboo to see so many so fast. Well, we um, Akira... Akira at one point pulled out a pocket knife to get to stabbing on Reed Bentley, which I just found barbaric. And I really just like this because, you know, instead of just trying to bring some, like, glass tubes or something, I just feel like 
stabbing somebody with a pocket knife is real street guy shit. They got to whacking each other with kendo sticks with kendo sticks that were pretty much dipped in fucking thumbtacks. Reed Reed at one point pulled two saws off the door off the doors from hell and he just got the sawing at fucking Akira's head which which in retaliation Akira like swung this giant fucking umbrella at him and Akira kicks out of a guard kicks out of a pile driver on the guardrail and returns with a giant senton from the top of the cage onto the guardrail Reed Bentley wins with a pile driver, another pile driver, and then a sliding forearm. This was by far the match of the night where they they really went above and beyond. And after a wild, wild show, in the main event, we got to see the American Deathmatch champion John Wade Murdoch and my pick as the independent wrestler of 2020 taking on a longtime Deathmatch, Deathmatch legend Tank, John John is far away the best guy ICW has to offer. He's he has the connection with the crowd. He's he's one hundred percent their ace. Tank Tank is just a big bad dude, and he looks like he plays stoner. He he plays like he plays bass in a stoner doom band. He just looks fucking awesome. This was just again stiff with more fucking shots to the head. And they got to fucking saw each other with fucking saws. Not like, I'm talking about like saws you go to get them in the hardware store. It was gross. There was saws everywhere. There was doors with saws and gusset plates attached to them. They, they, they ran into the crowd. And the finish saw, <laughs> like, let me try to paint the picture for you. The finish saw John Wayne Murdoch rap Tank's mouth and barbed wire, and while the mouth was wrapped in barbed wire, he, John just started stabbing, just started stabbing Tank in the fucking head until he passed out, and that saw the finish, and th- that brought to brought to uh, that brought ICW Pit Fighter Seven to a close, and they're off to a good start with. Four more shows, I believe, five more shows this weekend over a three-day period. That's a lot of wrestling, my dude. And that's all I got for uh, that's all I got for a pizza. Nope, one more time. That's all I got for a slice of pizza. I'm your boy, Pizza Simpson. Checking out. Pizza's <laughs> get a healthy dose of professional wrestling on the other side of the spectrum, and Pizza Simpson. But, uh, that was amazing, my friend. Thank you. I was a little yeah. rusty, but I got through it. You did amazing, dude. So, let's see here. Next on the agenda, ladies and gentle folk, will be... Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> this is a joint discussion. Any... Uh, opinion formatted and a controversial opinion does not reflect anything upon WWE as a company. Merely, this is just opinion. And if you are offended by uh, Pizza Simpson or myself, we do not apologize because this is a free country. So if you don't like it, go fuck yourselves, all right? Shell in a cell. <laughs> I, um, 
I, I just have to say, it was from the get-go, from what I recorded, you know, what I saw when it was on Peacock, folks. By the way, Peacock is much better quality than the network. I say I that agree. nicely because the network had a lot of, it had a lot of lag, and it's just like, okay. I agree. So, yeah, and where did I put my notes for Hell in a Cell? Oh, okay, here they are. I forget it was before I did uh okay. Okay. So the very first match right out the gate was the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. And you had Bailey versus Bianca Belair. And these two women deserve kudos to you know, from anyone because wow, they put on a clinic phenomenal match on how to start off. Yes, they started off, and that's great. They didn't add the weapons till they needed to add the weapons. You know, I agree. They added the KOD on. Yeah, and it's like they added the KOD on the chair. They need the fucking blade, man. That's the one aspect. Of like, were you not entertained? I was entertained. Shit, I'm glad you know, Bianca's hair was used as a weapon. Both I like that a lot. Man, both by the. Yes, yes, it was great. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed that the the story that they were playing here, where it was the great, you know, the wily veteran in in Bailey taking on the young, strong upstart, and I really enjoyed how Bailey used her, you know, her her wily, her you know, her wily vet tactics against Sasha. Um, I think Bianca had great facials through this entire match. I really enjoyed – I also really enjoyed what you said that they didn't get to the weapons right away. I like that they built to it, and at first it just kind of came with came as a fight. Um, I really did like the finish of the KOD on the open ladder, but I also I – also, to play back on what you said about Raquel Gonzalez from the, our last show, that um, Bailey took – Bailey took Bianca's finish on an open ladder, which should have just been, which looked devastating, but she's probably should have been helped out of the ring. And that big move could be almost like an injury angle because it was, the ladder was open. It's giant. It's steel. And just to, just to point out, you know, Maybe she should have sold that a little more instead of just crawling out of the ring and practically running running away. Yeah, I, which, you know, folks, I could go on and on about the importance of selling a move, especially when you land on an object. Anybody knows, even if you're not um, someone in the business, or the, I should not say business, in the sport of professional wrestling, um, you're you're taught, okay, if you were to land on a chair and it was on, you know, focusing on a body part like an arm or a leg or your neck, you obviously need to sell the injury. But don't go crawling out of the fucking ring like an ignoramus, okay? And we'll just leave it at that because if I go off the rails about selling moves, we'll be here all night. Um, let's see the next segment. Um, I enjoyed MVP's Players Club. I just enjoy seeing him on TV. I enjoy when he talks. 
I think he needs to be there for Bobby because Bobby isn't the greatest talker. And at times I felt during that, that segment, I thought Bobby looked kind of constipated. He always looks constipated. Let's be real. Bobby Lashley's a nice dude. I'm sure I've, I've met him at cons, but let me explain this. Bobby Lashley is bland as fuck. Cannot talk at all. He can wrestle. He's strong. He's a big dude. But he's kind of like the ethnic Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Brock at least has some, like, scariness to him, or he has, like, a vibe or something. It just feels like Bobby is just kind of kind of there. I don't think he could stand on his own. I mean, okay, um, if Chris uh, Masters was to come back. Go ahead, uh-huh. sir, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Well, if Chris Masters go, if Chris, well, if Chris Masters was to come back, then the fans who don't have a clue have been only watching this shit for however long. I'm going to say this nicely. I don't care if someone uses another person's move. I, I've heard it. I've heard so many ass clowns. And the Indies say, well, so-and-so took my move. Yes, Ashley took the fucking Hurt Lock. Uh, yeah, he took the Hurt Lock, which was the Master Lock, which is the full Nelson sleeper. And Lashley, speaking of you know, completely bland and boring as fuck, let's take a look at the tail of the tape. Ever since MVP came into the picture, he's been helping Lashley out, you know, getting points across. Is, is you know, if MVP doesn't pick up that microphone, well, I don't know, man. Also, if MVP it's over doesn't interfere, matches, yeah, if MVP doesn't interfere in some of his matches, then Lashley's character really is just one big brute who who wrestles and is technical, but can't really mic and is basic and your stereotypical big guy. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think MVP really gives him the personality that he lacks because he does have everything else. He does look good. He does look like a champion. He does have great matches, but he just lacks that one thing that makes him entertaining. Um, moving on, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to retract what I said. I after watching this show. I've come around. I really like Alexa. I like Alexa Bliss, and I like the spooky. I like the spooky promos and stuff like that. They're ridiculous. I'm sorry. The Lily the doll just looks so gross. I don't know. I. I it's just one of those things where it's just so funny. It's it just it's just so funny. It's good. I. Okay, so I've always been a fan of mind games and weird gimmicks and people, you know, basically wanting, you know, the outward, the awkward experience. And Alexa Bliss's promo is about Lily and, you know, her whole entire awkward feud with Shayna Baszler when, you know, light fixtures are falling off and, <laughs> oh, you know, just weird things going in and out of place. I, I I like the theatrics. I know that it's, you know, not everyone's cup of tea, but 
I've always been a fan of the gimmicks that are oddballs. Alexa Bliss is one. Bray Wyatt's another. God rest his soul, Brian Tillman. God rest his soul, Eddie Guerrero. I was talking about Jake the Snake Roberts. You want to talk about worker uh, wrestlers, I should say, that get people's attention? Alexa Bliss is five foot nothing, but she's fucking working it, man. Yeah, she's making it work, which I I really really appreciate. I think she like thinks herself all into this character, and it just it just works. Um, the next match was Seth uh, Rollins and Cesaro. What do you think about this, bro? That that was a shitty finish. If you're gonna, I'm sorry. But Seth Rollins and the oh they probably ain't gonna like the finish man. I just you know you want to do fucking you come after me and I uh, roll you up at it. I'm like no, that's not a fucking heel finish man. Sorry not sorry. But when I agree, I saw I agree match, with that. Yeah. This I think that, yeah I think like, like he should have stole it from him. Yes. He's a fucking heel. Utilize that aspect of his character, and let's put into effect that Seth Rollins can play dirty, man. He was a part of the shield. He was a part of the authority. It never once occurred to me that it was going to be, okay, I'm going to pin his shoulders down. Really? That's extremely face right there. That's very, (laughs) that's very, it's clean. A heel winning clean? Are you fucking kidding me, man? That's the only thing I had beef with that match. It was great back and forth up until Seth wins by a small package. I'm like, what are you, Shawn Michaels, the one, two, three kid? No. Yeah. Small package doesn't work for Seth Rollins. He should have poked him in his eye and he at least like at least poked his eye or punched him in the balls. I enjoyed the match. I agree it was back and forth. I really liked that Seth did the death blow, which is the hangman's elbow where he – turns you around for like a rude awakening and then freaking just elbows you clean in the back of the head. I'm surprised, personally, I'm surprised with all the shots to the head in that match. I'm surprised that was okay. And with concussion protocol, I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised that that was, uh, that was, that finish was okay. Um, and I agree. The, it should have been a heel finish. It would have just, it would have just got, it would have just got over a little bit better and it just made the match look a little bit better. Um, uh, you got anything else to add to that, Big Dog? Okay, so I feel like, okay, the build-up for this match was great. Are they really going to push Cesaro to the wayside because fans started paying attention? That's dumb. Like, that is the dumbest move he could ever make as a company. Let's push Seth Rollins even further. Why? The dude has nothing to prove. And now you're putting him in a non-important match other than to say Cesaro's career doesn't fucking matter. It's just like, it's what it feels like, man. It feels like what they're fucking doing to him. And they did it again. The Cesaro versus Roman. We knew that he wasn't going to win. So fucking push the feud further. But no. Let's keep constantly putting, I'm not mad at the match, but I'm mad about what they're doing to a guy whose talent is not matched by anyone on that. He can outshine anyone, and he can work He can work with any guy, not just Seth. For fuck's sakes, the man worked Kevin Owens. He worked with uh, Jake Hager, you know, in AEW. He just, 
he can fit anywhere you put him on the roster. The fucking problem I have is not just the finish. Cesaro, love you, dude. I thank you, you know, thank you for what you're doing, but I don't know how much longer you can. This is not a plea, but it's just a thought in the dark. You just keep doing what you're doing. I guess you're sacrificing for a bigger prize. I don't know, man, but I applaud you for doing what you're doing as a wrestler. And um, all I'm going to say is fuck the people who are holding you back because you deserve a lot better. Yeah, I I just I think maybe it might be time for to maybe move on for Cesaro because maybe he's hit his ceiling, but I don't think he's gonna make the money he's making anywhere else. So it's just really like, do you want to wear a title or do you want to make lots of money? Um, that really what it comes down to at the end. Um, moving on. Um, Alexa versus Shayna. <laughs> this oh, by God. far was my favorite. I'm sorry. This was my favorite match on the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm not, not going to stop you. Since you don't have and this one. I, I loved it. <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of like these because, like, I don't I don't like I don't mind just turning my brain off and just trying to like analyze it and just be this like wrestling analyst that I try to pretend to be. But this was great, and I think I honestly think Lily and Alexa Bliss are probably the most like over like the number one faces in the company, <laughs> and I really respect Shayna for having the ability to get outside of her comfort zone and be willing to take this on. And she's done a good job as the antagonist in this whole, this whole feud. And she's really showed some great acting skills. Um, One thing that I really wanted to point out is I really like the sister Abigail, the sister Abigail, um, variation that was twisted into a DDT, that looks fucking nasty. Did you catch that spot? Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. And I... I, I, um... I just want to say, like you said, it's Jana not getting out of her comfort zone. I mean, dude, she worked with Nikki Cross. She worked with Bianca Belair. She worked with a lot of females that are, well, some of them are no longer with WWE, but you got to give Shayna props. I mean, Alexa's been on the main roster for a little bit longer, and they transformed her character completely. And when they worked her with Bray Wyatt, okay, some some may have disagreed that Sarah Logan would have fit better with Bray as a fucking, you know, Sister Abigail type figure, but I think Alexa Bliss is doing a marvelous job. And uh, not just, just marvelous, I mean, I uh, I smiled when she got Nia to basically mimic her every yeah. move when she smacked her. Yeah, because she, was, she possessed her with the, with the spooky powers. 
<laughs> that and the fact that I think it's great that Naya's even playing along too. I mean, it's just it, they all have to, uh, as Michael Hayes put it when he was on Table for Three. It's up to me. I can write all the things I want, but it's up to the wrestlers in this in the sport, you know, to execute the plays that I write out. Yeah. Um, yeah, excellent match that was better than I thought it was going to be. I really enjoyed seeing Alexa possess Naya and Alexa picking up the win with the uh, Twisted Bliss. Um, things that I want to point out so far is I fucking love Pat McAfee. He's a, he's a cheese ball, and uh, uh, he's cheesy as fuck in all the best ways. And uh, he kind of plays off Cole being like the straight, with Cole being the straight commentator and Pat having so much more energy. What? How do you feel about Pat McAfee? I like Pat. You know, he's a ball of energy. And you need a ball of energy because you don't have Mauro Ranello. You don't have Jim Ross. You certainly don't have Jerry Lawler, who's nothing more than, oh, oh my gosh. You know, just, right. I, I feel like McAfee's energy is great. I feel like his, like he, the way he calls things, like tonight, for example, you want an example of energy? Pat McAfee did a stri- an uh, homage to Stone Cold with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's uh, coronation uh, his, for his crown. It was fucking hilarious. Like, Michael Cole was all uptight, you know, and just sitting there like, oh, my God, you sure let I know who's going to get injured. It's like, okay, dude, really? Yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. And right off the top, I don't want to be that guy, but I've seen them wrestle so many times that at First, I don't want to see the match, but those guys are just so good that they can have a good match without even trying. So, I, um, at fr- yeah, at first I was not looking forward to this, but as the match progressed, it just ended up getting me more and more hooked and more and more interested. Because, like, you weren't... Okay, so no matter how many times Champa and... You know, Gargana go at it. It's the same thing, except for no, it's not because you don't want to tell the same story two or three times over when fans already know. Okay, when they get to this spot, you know, Sammy's gonna give Kevin the boot. No one expected a haluva kick for the finish, dude. Everyone would expect Kevin to beat everyone. It's not actually. He did, but yeah, I thought I thought Kevin Owens was gonna pick up the win here. Boy, were we both wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely wrong. I think that they both had a great – I both they think they worked a great match. And those with those guys being pretty much married to each other since the, since the early 2000s, those guys can have a great match with their eyes closed. I really like the, um, the tumble that Kevin Owens took and that landed on Sami Zayn's knees. That looked really fucking tough. I also love Sami Zayn's half and half suplex. And this had a lot of shots to the head. 
that Halua kick was nasty. I enjoyed the storytelling of Sammy working on the throat after General Aziz. I hope I said that right. After the General Aziz um, grenade or whatever his, his move is. Oh, the spike. And um, I really, 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 really fucking loved when Sammy jumped in Cole's face and was talking shit to him and Cole walking off. Anytime Michael Cole is pissed off, I enjoy that. Yeah, I, as I told you through Messenger, man, I, I laughed my ass off when Sammy Zane is like, you know those people in your ear, Michael? You know, and he just straight up, you can tell, like, they didn't want me to win, you didn't want me to win. Which is the honest to God truth. Look at Michael Cole. He's not even denying it. He's not even saying anything. Because normally when a, a commentator gets confronted, they say no, yes, or hey, no, get away from me. Michael Cole just fucking sat there. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing him walk off all pissed off was really fucking awesome. Um, then we got highlights from the Roman Roman Reigns match uh, versus Ray from... Then we got highlights from SmackDown, Roman versus Ray in the Hell in a Cell match, and after that nasty power bomb into the cage from the outside, I mean from the inside out, and then Roman just locking on these chokeholds now, and he choked him out with a cravat. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw that hold, but man. He sensed that cravat on, on Ray so quick, I thought he was going to break the little guy's neck. Oh, yeah. I saw. Roman's on fire right now. Roman is on fire, and he's beating everybody up. <laughs> and, uh. Should, man. I should. It, yeah. That's how it should be. And, um,. I don't know. I didn't write too much down for this match because I don't care about anything that Charlotte did. Um, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte was a yawn for me. I thought Rhea looked incredible. Rhea looks like Rhea looks like Char- like Rhea looks like Charlotte from like 2015. She's get, she's just got that badass vibe. And just seeing, just seeing the match, the way the match played out with Rhea getting disqualified to keep her title, I don't want to see this match. I don't want to see this feud prolonged. I just want to get them. I want them to get get them away from each other. But you just can just see that this is going to be one of those things where Rhea and Charlotte are probably going to feud over that title for years and probably trade it back and forth. Thoughts on Rhea, bro? I know you like her a lot. I like Rhea Ripley because, number one, this this woman, this young lady gets it. She knows how to play to her strengths. She knows how to be a badass. She knows how to be... I have followed her even before NXT UK. I know that Rhea Ripley is something special. Why? Because, unlike Charlotte... Who it's not because of her name, it's because the company sees and I'm I'm gonna distinct this real quick, real fast. Yes, Rhea Ripley is the younger Charlotte Flair. She even got compared to that and the May Young Classic. Um, the match for me was bullshit. You're gonna have a DQ finish because of a time slot. 
issue. Okay, well then, have reason since it's Hell in a Cell, why wasn't it a Hell in a Cell match? I'm sure because Charlotte Flair is injury prone. Sorry, but she is. Yeah. And I'll just leave it. I agree with that. I just feel like, dude, like, if you're going to have a match where two women who can absolutely beat the hell out of each other, they should have made it a specialty match. Like, I don't know. <laughs> if you're going to put Rhea over, like, via, you know, DQ, you could – that's stupid. It's hell in a cell. Why are we having matches that include disqualification as a finish? Like, what the f- – did Rhea get hurt? I'm confused. Like, what's going on, guys? I mean – Really, I think with that, that match, might, bro, might. I think that that's just like them like trying to prolong this feud and trying to stretch it out and get as much as they can out of it. I just think that that match was kind of a stinker, and it just felt like it was a little phoned in. <laughs> it just seemed like the dude. It seemed like the booking team was just like, oh, well, you know, got Charlotte and uh, Rhea. Okay, it's gonna. Rhea, you're going to end in DQ. Charlotte, you're going to beat the hell out of each other, and then you guys are going to get separated. Like, what the fuck? No, that match didn't fit well with me, because I know they could put on a way better match than that. Yeah, which we'll probably get at SummerSlam, because you know this is going to be, you know they're going to give it to us again. Oh, yeah, I know, because... The the production crew is the same on Raw as it is on SmackDown Live as it is. Well, it's different on NXT, but I can tell you I'm excited for that because I want to see these two put on a clinic like Becky. I think Rhea's kind of filling in the void until Becky comes back, which I have a feeling is going to be fairly soon. I have a gut feeling Becky Lynch will be back. Yeah, I've been reading that she's been um, get, she's been training a lot, and I would I would I would probably say she's going to be at SummerSlam too. Stephanie in a Stephanie McMahon in an interview with Yahoo Sports, um, she said expect a bunch of surprises at WrestleMania this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if Becky does a run in at some point. She's going to have to interfere saying, thanks for holding me uh, spot warm, but uh, who do you think you are? I, I'm sorry, Beck, if I'm messing up your whole lado, you know, uh, bravada. But um, I miss you, dear, because you need to – the fucking women's division needs an injection of something, and I think Becky Lynch will be part of it. I I agree with that. I think I I really think Becky and Rhea Ripley will be a great match. I think that it would be pretty awesome. I think that we need to get Charlotte away. I think we need to get Charlotte away from the title. I think she does not need to be shoehorned into every title match. I mean, she's already had seven title runs. She's done. They've done too much with her too soon. So. So personally, yeah, bring on Becky Lynch, man. We do need her back. Yeah. So that was a stinker. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Let's see here next on the fucking card. Oh, yeah. The main event. 
So I I didn't write. Sorry, brother. I didn't write anything either. Just because it's sad. I'm sorry, Roman, but we we know the results when you're gonna be in a match. You're gonna win. You just you don't know how, but you're just gonna win. Yeah, I uh, didn't write anything down because I just like like you said. I honestly felt that. Bobby was going to Bobby was going to win. I felt like this was going to be pretty much every kind of like, I don't know how to say this, like every WWE style brawl or hardcore match with the same kind of spots and albeit it was a fine match. It it was fine. It just it, it just didn't blow my socks off. I'm sorry, but, like, when you have – okay, so I get it. You know, MVP is supposed to be a factor in the match, and he's supposed to run interference at some point. But they make it so fucking obvious with two referees out there. They have to. Because what if one referee goes down and the other one's going to come in? It's like, are you fucking cracking kidding me? So we knew that McIntyre was going to knock him out. He's like, I was calling it spot for spot. Sorry, not Sorry. I like Drew, I like Lashley, I think they're very good competitors, but to make the a short make the novel a short story. What in the actual fuck? We knew it was gonna happen, yada yada blah. McIntyre was not gonna win this match because Lashley's only held the title for a certain amount of time and we all know the old man probably made a last minute decision. Oh, he's gonna win this way. No, he's gonna win this way. Fucking shit. It doesn't matter. We know who's going to fucking win. That's why I turned it off at the main event. I was going to fall asleep. Yeah, I uh, I thought the match was fine. I just thought it was just like everything that I've seen before. And I don't necessarily think that has anything to do with the competitors in the match. I think that Drew and Bobby have good chemistry together, and I think they have good matches together. But it's just... Just another blow-off match to finish the feud. I think that it's thing, you know, okay. McIntyre has now had several chances, and I think eventually, not eventually, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a match made at SummerSlam. Because... They face each other everywhere else, and if they're going to add some other superstars in the mix, hi, why not, you know? Oh, Randy Orton, AJ Styles. Guys that can entertain and do flippy, flippy shit. Oh, Ricochet maybe, but he's not going to be even in that title picture. I think he's going towards the U.S. title uh, picture. But one thing I do have an issue with is the fact that um, they're going to regurgitate this match over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like rinse, lather, repeat. You don't can't break it. So, you know, can't break something that you can't fix. Well, it's just like um, everyone and their brother's mother is complaining about Roman being a heel too late. Well, it's either that or have no TV at all. It just it makes it makes no sense to why these matches have to come coincide with okay well we're feuding them so now we're not going to just 
that's kind of why things go stale. But I'm gonna leave it at you know. He knew what was going. I knew, and others knew what was going to happen. So, if I get asked again why I, you know, didn't turn it on, it's because well, I saw the good matches I wanted to see, but unfortunately, <laughs> I kept it on just for a little bit. And when Peacock said this programming has, you know, been interrupted, I said, "Thank God." <laughs> um. I felt like this was one of those things that just reiterated my point of, like, I don't need to really watch Raw or SmackDown. I could just watch the pay-per-view once a month and just see everything that I need to see within, like, the the, the highlight video that they used to hype the, to hype the match. You know, you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see Rey Mysterio die. You're going to see Roman Reigns win. You're going to see Charlotte Flair in a title match. I don't need to see. I don't need to see the raw build up to that. There really is no point. I mean, if you want to torture yourself, <laughs> go on USA Network and watch WWE Raw for three hours all the way through. Don't be on your phone. Just be like, why? And just hold the fucking pillows tight. Why? Why me? Yeah, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I don't think I have. <laughs> I I tortured myself one week, ladies and gentlemen. Pizza Simpson was a witness to that because I told him like I watched um, three things of WWE, and that's not easy, folk. Including the or the, even the Cliff Notes are hard to get through. That's saying something um, of WWE Raw, and when it doesn't have commercial breaks, that makes it even worse. Yeah, bro. I'm not going to completely rule it out. I'm just going to just put WWE on the back burner and just hope for the best um, down the road and hope that SummerSlam is better than what they've been what they've been doing. I think WrestleMania was was pretty solid this year, so I'm expecting big things. So, who knows? I'm optimistic. Yeah. So let's uh let's wrap up uh Hell in a Cell, big dog. Alright, you know, uh considering the fact that like the main main thing was you know hell you know let's see the title. Let's see the title of my show outside of whole shindig. Okay, so hmm. Telling us, uh, were we entertained? Were we not entertained? Yeah, we were entertained, all right. Like, are we not entertained? The famous line from Gladiator. Yes, we were. We were entertained yeah. to a certain extent. Not all, but we were. I would give the solid. I would give the show a solid seven and a half. I didn't hate it, but you know, it's all right. I give it a seven too because it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like I hate you type show. It was a it was a show because I think they're trying to assimilate, you know, the fact that not assimilate. They're trying to get used to the fact that, by the way, this is and using their own phrase against them in a nice way. This is going to be a rude awakening when you guys get a real audience. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. 
Moving on, let's go. I think you know what time it is, my friend. Oh, yeah. By the way, folks, this is an original disclaimer. The viewpoints or opinions are not reflections on anything related to WWE, GCW, ECW, WWE, APJW, MPJW. The following content is not suitable for minors under the age of 18. If they do repeat any of the shit that I say on live air, my apologies to the teachers in summer school, but not fucking really. I drop more F-bombs than D-Day. This is the Off the Rails Uncensored is a coin and phrase show podcast with March 7, 2016. All rights reserved, 2021 Incorporated. So, without further ado, fuckers, buckle up and get inside this loose cannon head. God rest his soul. Love you, Mr. Pillman. You know, but, but, I will not piss on the establishment because I'll get in big trouble. But, buckle up, fuckers, you're about to get inside my head. It's time for a little, uh, off the rails uncensored. All right. Let's fucking go. My turn. My turn. <laughs> <laughs> about Hell in a Cell, nothing too bad. Um, now, I will talk to you about lately what I've been feeling through uh, SmackDown Live, or for whatever they call it now, Friday Night SmackDown, I don't give a fuck. Uh, WWE Raw, it's just been, you know, <laughs> main roster's starting to turn the corner a lot better than NXT, which is unheard of. NXT's turned into the uh, un- unforgotten, you know, not unforgotten, but just the forgotten period because they've turned Johnny Gargano into a comical, a comical wrestler. And speaking of turning wrestlers into comical, um, I'll get to them later, but speaking of NXT, when your ratings are half of what AEW's is, fucking change it, please. That's all I'm going to leave it at that. And two, when SmackDown, or yeah, SmackDown's ratings have gone up, I believe, let me let me just read the numbers for you. I read them before, but I'll read them again. So I've been doing some research on SmackDown Live's ratings and Raw's, and I'm going to read to you some numbers, okay? So SmackDown, their ratings for the month of uh, 2021, okay? <laughs> They're up a little bit more than what they were the previous week. So... That's the wrong ratings. I don't need that. So overall, dude, you know, (laughs) what I'm going to tell you right now, this is June 28th up, you know, TPPW according to this. So on average of 1,926,000 overnight viewers, that was up from 1,853,000 
so that's more than AEW's viewership. Hmm. Wink, wink. WWE Raw, on the other hand, so last year's SmackDown on June 19, 2020, drew 2,889,000. That's fine. We've had a pandemic. People are getting sick of being at home. They may be sick of watching pro wrestling just a smidgen, okay? They may be sick of it just because of the fact that they don't know anybody outside of um, John Cena or Roman Reigns. That's fine. You know, it's okay. So Raw's ratings... If I look at the numbers so far in 2021, oh, boy. And this is from May 24th, so I'm just going to go based off that, not June's. I know that's not so. 1.62 million, so it's not too far off of SmackDown Live. Uh, down last week, it was 1.823. And the demographic for 18 to 49 was down 1.823 million viewers was the total in 0.48 was the rating for the 18 to 49 demographic. It's not just about demographics, but it's the placement of characters, I believe. So if you have noticed, there's been some character changes. Alexa Bliss keeps flourishing, but her partner, her partner, on the other hand, someone on, you know, they just, I don't really... The whole Molly Holly look for Nikki Cross. I don't think you guys are doing her justice. I mean, after all, she was the twisted sister of NXT. She is by far one of my favorite characters. And now she's getting ruined because she outshines Rhea Ripley. Why are you punishing Nikki Cross? Can you explain that to me? Like, honestly, what did she ever do? She's the nicest person ever. Like, when it comes to following instructions and working really hard, she comes from almost the same cloth cut, you know, that made Becky Lynch into the big star that she became, you know, WrestleMania 35, and then she, Becky went and had a child, and she's enjoying being a mother, you know. But to put Nikki Cross... And that kind of predicament where now she just has to work because there's nowhere else she can go unless she decides AEW would be a great hub for her. I really don't see that happening, but why the sudden move for the costume change is not what I'm getting at. She is a good fucking wrestler. Why are you doing this to people like her? Oh, and speaking of changes... Um, you know, I won't stay on Nikki forever because I want to... Uh, Focus a little bit on Cesaro. Okay. Cesaro was very prominent in NXT. And I'm not going to dwell on his past. I'm going to focus on the now. You've only made him a U.S. champion uh, and then a tag champion with Sheamus. And then after that, they dropped the tag titles and then it, shit hit the fan. You teamed him up with King Corbin, or formerly known as King Corbin, just Baron Corbin now. But to have him in a title match is because the fans have been wanting this for years. And unfortunately, you put him with a guy that's going to be unstoppable, like Roman Reigns. So my question to you is, what the fuck are you guys doing? Why? What did these people, what did Nikki ever do to you guys? What did Cesaro ever do to you guys? It's not like they purposely held up the company, God rest his soul, Ultimate Warrior. 
They didn't do that shit. They didn't show up late, Braun Strowman. They, uh, you know, and I think Braun's a pretty cool dude, except he was a pompous ass. Some of the time he may fool you all on the media, but he was a pompous ass in one year, and that's why he never had a fucking title reign. He never, okay, people want to claim a lot of superstars are great. Well, you know, the underrated superstars, just like I, I got when you know, that certain people are returning and it's going to make the company better. What's going to make the company better is if you let the superstars that have not had a, any room to breathe, any room to roam. Like, okay, Sami Zayn, he's finally getting room to roam, and he's patient. He's a nice dude. He doesn't – Sami, I think his goal is to entertain the fans just like Kevin Owens. They're, they come from the independence where their main goal was to, uh, you know, sell their merchandise so they can get a good hotel or sell their merchandise so that they can get a decent meal to eat. Like, honestly, man, you're going to really put Nikki Cross on the back burner? She may not be a Bianca Belair. She may not be a Rhea Ripley. She may not be an Asuka. But if you really look at her tape... She did some really good work with a lot of people that she had to put over because, well, she's not very entertaining. Oh, she messed up here. Maybe she's not what we're looking for. We don't really see the spark that we're looking, we're needing. I don't know what the fucking factor is, but I really am pissed off because in gimmicks past, let's go uh, some gimmicks, uh, the ghost of gimmicks past brought to you by Brian Rails. Let's focus down that road, shall we? Okay, we had... Jake the Snake Roberts, who used to pull a fucking snake out of a burlap bag. And you almost gave him a push if it weren't for the fact that Ultimate Warrior, God rest his soul, was a fucking prick. And two, because I'll tell you that little side tidbit from Dark Side of the Ring. Jake was to get a title push, but the Ultimate Warrior fucked that up by holding the show up. And demanding a whole bunch of shit, but eventually got fired for his troubles. And Vince turned to Jake and goes, you have the worst luck of anyone I know. They do, and Jake, he could give fuck less because, look, he's immortalized. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. But with Nikki Cross, how is she ever going to be whole again? I'll tell you how. Sanity. You put her back with sanity. And that but the problem is Eric Young's not there anymore. Alexander Wolf is no longer uh with, you know, Imperium. But um yeah, Killian Dane is wrestling in NXT. So Yo, they just, just released him a few hours ago. I know, it's just sad, man. They they released people that would pro- like help Nikki and propel her career, but, you know, she's just doing whatever the company tells her to because if she doesn't, they put a stipend on you and say, okay, well, we're not going to go with this direction. We're sorry to do this to you, but you're going to be repackaged. I don't think some people may think she's a big deal, but I, I hate saying this, but, okay, Moxley's right. They put you in a plexiglass box. They tell you this is your gimmick, and then this is how, you know, this is what you're going to be, and this is what you're going to be about. 
Like, fucking real, dude. I, I agree with this thing that Danny Cage said. You can be unique as you want to be, but you better learn how to fall in line. I guess Nikki's learning to fall in line. The sad part is she's being bombarded with all this shit. Like, her costume change, why? What, again, what did she ever do to merit, you know, this treatment? And she may not think it's bad treatment, but yes, it is, dude. Yes, it is, Nikki. I hate to point this out to you, dear, but if you outshine one of the girls and they complain or bitch about it, I don't think Rhea bitched about it. I don't think she has anything to do with her repackaging, but I do believe that, you know, when I look at what Raw and SmackDown are doing with their characters, Nikki's getting the brunt end of it. Liv Morgan's getting the brunt end of it. Liv is getting put in matches with, you know, top-tier women. I don't think Carmella's top-tier, but it's just, you know. The main gist of what I'm getting at is I think Nikki Cross is getting fucked over sideways. And, you know, she needed something to help emphasize that when they discarded her from Alexa Bliss. That was it. That was the death of Nikki Cross's character. And and that's just my personal take on it. I'm not going to spend the whole night bitching and griping about Nikki Cross. However, I'm going to tell you, I've noticed not slight differences between SmackDown and Raw. I've noticed major differences. Raw is still doing the same old shit. Promo, 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 promo. Interview, then another promo takes place. And another promo takes place. Then match. Then another match. Then another promo. Then another fucking interview. Like, I could hold a microphone in my hand on Raw and say, Hi, I work for WWE. Whereas SmackDown, they do kind of similar, but at least they compensate for that by putting together action. And what do, you know, the beginning of tonight's show, when Bianca Belair stood in the ring, she, you know, she was trying to compliment Bailey and do all the nice things and build her up and then say, you can do a bullies too. I see a reflection of a proud, proud woman, you know, who earned this title, yada, blah. Bianca Belair always does good on the mic, man. She always does good. But I feel like, you know, there's action after the fact that they had talked on the mic for a brief, like, two, three minutes. So it was Bianca, Seth, then Bailey. And Cesaro just comes in and runs in the whole fucking time. And it was a beautiful, chaotic fight. The problem I have with the fucking finish, I think that, um, yeah, Seth was supposed to be bowling into Bianca and he did you know Seth was supposed to be like fully knocking into Bianca Belair but he he kind of played it safe but what I'm getting at is there's more action on Smackdown than there is on Raw and I've said this before if I'm comparing and contrasting one's three hours one's two hours uh, (laughs) oh yes when they're doing the difference between interviews is Raws are more drawn out, more like paragraph shit. SmackDown, I think, is getting the injection of Heyman going around giving advice saying, okay, you don't want to be as long. Might as well just get to the point. 
And if you overemphasize, you better pull the microphone away from it. And I think he did. I don't. I know he's not a part of creative, but I have a feeling that he's been asked questions like, "What do you think we should do?" And if Heyman gives you feedback, that's very, very important. Because I've I've come to the conclusion that Raw is kind of rushed. It's everything's changed and. That's not a bad thing if it had ratings, but now that I've read you the ratings, it makes sense. Because um, I want to, you know, point this out. You know, like what what the difference would be when you see, like, you know, an audience for SmackDown versus Raw. Well, I can already tell you right now what's going to happen. And this is just my honest opinion. People won't care who it is. Some people, some regions will just be like, oh, the show, finally. And others, you know, the picky bastards out east, I can only just fucking imagine what's going to happen there. They're not going to boo. They're going to be, you know, cheering because it's been a while since WWE's went into their, you know, went into their territory, whether it be Madison Square Garden, whether it be, um, be the garden in Boston. It's just it doesn't matter with Philly or Maryland or DC. It, it's a 25 city tour. So, in retrospect, not in retrospect, but in real talk, I believe in my personal opinion and bias, just for saying it, SmackDown wipes the floor with Raw when it comes to audience. It's still taking forever, man. I looked on the ticket sales. They still have seats available, by the way, if you're interested, folks. On TickTick.com, they don't charge you uh, taxes. So if you get one that's $179.62, it's 179 Just saying. All right. So I'm going to take a break in between the rant and do some advertisements. Alright, so if you like to invest in yourself and become a professional wrestler, commentator, slash manager, slash whatever involves professional wrestling, go to monsterfactory.org. Check it out. They're doing birthdays again, folks, right? Not only doing birthdays, but invest in yourself, seriously. Invest in yourself today. Get off that couch, put those potato chips away, put the Doritos away, put the PlayStation away, put the Switch away, and join World Famous Monster Factory, which has produced... Seamus, Matt Riddle, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Big Show, X-Pac. It's also produced The Godfather, Tony Atlas. The list of names goes on and on. All right, folks, that'll do it for the advertisements. You can visit monsterfactory.org, and it'll take you directly to the website. The phone number is located on the page if you have any questions. Comments concerned, please message the head trainer, the executive producer of Monster Factory. No, the the guy who basically takes talent and turns them into silk purses, man, just refining them. Anyways, MonsterFactory.org, they're a great group of kids, man. I highly suggest going to one of his super camps. I've been to two of them. Great, dude. Very, very nice, dude. 
All right, so I believe SmackDown is going to benefit from having an audience versus Raw. Why? It's nothing against Raw. Actually, it is. That's why. I personally feel that SmackDown is going to present a better show for an audience because why? They have more variety and it's easier to fucking choose from. I just, I love chaos. I'm kind of seeing a fight breaking out or what. But I also love the fact that I can check my watch and tell you that SmackDown Live is definitely the better show. I, if they were to do an event in Kansas City, I, I would definitely go. Raw. I'm not going in July because we have bigger fish to fry than that. You can go to any show any time of the year next year, so it doesn't really matter. Anyways, we're going to wrap this up, folks. I got to get up early in the morning, son of a beach. And I'm starting to say it anyways, but I will tell you in the, in the final moments of this show... The reason why I chose SmackDown Live is because Raw blows more than Jenna Jameson on a porn set. Um, by the way, it also, uh, like, honestly, dude, if I'm being honest, I'm going to agree with one of my favorite all-time former WWE guys, um, so, or CM Punk. He said, WWE is absolutely atrocious now. He's not lying. Shit's all over the place. And he goes, why are you this hot dog? I said, yeah, Raw sucks, the big one. And sometimes SmackDown, sometimes SmackDown sucks with hot dog. I don't know. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just say it. It's the non-PG show. It sucks a dick. I'm not going to get muted for saying that. Like I said, it's no reflection on WWE. It's just the content of their show gets, you know, proved by the the, um, VKM. If VKM doesn't fucking like your shit, then you're fucked. So, and also he likes changing his mind last minute. And it's nothing, he's one of the greatest promoters in the universe. But at the same token, it's kind of hindering the content. That could be produced you know, for three hours. We can't just, you know, we can't just be lackadaisical when it comes to reducing talent. When SmackDown puts on a show, you're already on the edge of your seat because you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Because I thought for sure Jeff Hardy, you know, was going to stay, but he doesn't. He's retiring alongside his brother, so. I'm just, you know, being a total random here, but I'm going to just point the obvious out. One show is going to garner an audience that's going to be very appreciative. The other one's going to garner an audience that's very, you know, appreciative of what the audience brings to it. But I think that Raw could really use some injection of help. They just stick to me telling you suggestions about how your show needs to improve upon, they're never going to fucking do it. As long as the old man's still there, it's like sits on a throne and is like, hey, 
My show's been the longest weekly episodic running TV show in history, which it has. But there's one problem. I'm losing my fucking mind. I'm just going to wrap it up, folks. If you didn't like what good old Brian Reynolds had to say, or Pete <laughs> Simmons, for that matter, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it there. I survived, and I'm not going to ramble in fucking circles, damn it. That's not going to fucking happen tonight. I'm going to end it on a good note. SmackDown Live is going to benefit from their their shows that they're putting on with Bianca and Bailey and Cesaro and Seth versus the whole fucking clusterfuck that is WWE Raw, which has produced uh, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and for the umpteenth time, they're going to do a triple threat match? Really? Really? You need a triple threat match to get to a Money in the Bank ladder qualifying match? Really? This is why that show is failing on a massive fucking level. Two, brief, brief synopsis of NXT. Take Shawn Michaels and Hunter off the booking team, please. They do not need to be riding the show and just put Hunter in timeout. Hunter, I love you, but you need to be in timeout for what you're letting Sean and them do, which is not terrible, but you need to develop talent, so please, by all means. Oh, oh speaking of which, I read something interesting. So Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed might be joining the main roster pretty soon. Um, just a little tidbit there for you. Karrion Cross was without Scarlet on the main event. And um, he faced Bronson Reed. So, Karrion Cross got a lot of attention. I wonder if they're bringing Lesnar back. Wink, wink. I wonder if, uh, because Samoa Joe is in NXT, that they're going to pop him up to Maine. Cool. I mean, I don't care. But to make my, my final point, if you don't like the good old Brian Riddles, had to say for the second time, folks. Sorry, that was a false alarm there. Uh, if you didn't like what I had to say or Pizza Simpson, I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Boy, it's been a while <laughs> since I said it felt so fucking good. All right, folks. So, Pizza Simpson, anything else you'd like to add to the mix on our farewell? No, check me out at Instagram, Pizza Simpson, one word. Good show. You had a good show, brother. All right. Thank you, sir. Toodles, bitches. We both have to go to sleep because you want to have that. Any questions, you can message him on his Instagram or you can message me or him directly on Wrestle underscore radio. We would be glad to answer all your questions. Thank you to all our loyal listeners around the world, Latvia, Indonesia, Australia, Japan, you know, Tokyo, Japan, uh, the Philippines, we like to thank all of you from Italy listening. Demographics are getting fun, man. Ireland. That's cool. We got our demographics from Ireland. Thank you all for listening to us. For real, we got to get some sleep. Uh, shouldn't be too hard. Uh, just got to hit my head on the pillow and go snooze and catch some Z's and hopefully dream of, you know, winning a championship or I don't know what the fuck I'll dream about. But anyways, toodles, bitches. Good night. And if you didn't like the show, that's fine. You can download us for free on iTunes anyways and listen to this whole shebang again. All right. Monkey's in the truck. See us out, please. I mean, for real. See us out. I mean, for real. Look in my
the cult of personality.